What is going on, y'all? This is episode 19 of the podcast, and today we do got a special guest for y'all. It is none other than MJ's Go. If you are on any type of NBA media, you already know this man. Go ahead and introduce yourself, man. Hey, what's up? Thanks for having me on. Uh, yeah, you know, from Twitter, Instagram, even YouTube. I mean, been on for like, what, four years already? So yeah, I'm pretty well known on YouTube and stuff. You pretty much and, uh, the face of Michael Jordan Twitter. I mean, let's keep it a bean. <laughs> yeah, I guess. It, I, don't, I don't know if we're going to talk about this, but like my account originally was not even about Jordan at all. But I guess that name just kind of stuck. Oh, so when you first started out, you wasn't trying to be just an MJ account? or Like, yeah, I started out Instagram like maybe 2016. I was like a general basketball page on Instagram. Mm-hmm. I only had like 9,000 followers over like probably two years. Oh, okay, and I put okay. the MJ's goat lo- uh, logo on and kind of just took off. No, it was crazy though. The way I heard about you was I heard about you through um I saw like the live that you did with L- LBJ History. Oh yeah. And then Buddy just left in the middle of the live, and I was like, "Damn, that's crazy," because you know you made him leave in the middle of his live. And I was like, "That's how you know you bodied that man." So ever since then, I started following you and stuff. Um, yeah. we interacted a few times on Twitter, mm-hmm. but with that being said, like I said, thank you for your time, and let's go ahead and get into it. Whenever I have a guest on the show. The first thing I like to talk about is top 10 all time. And the reason why I do that is that way we can get the conversation flowing. You know what I mean? Yeah. And get the get the juices flowing. So what I want you to do is I want you to give me a top 10 players of all time. But I want you to start off at number 10, maybe give like a brief explanation of why you got them there, and then just move on to the next one. So with that being said, go ahead and take the floor. All right. So I'm already going to go against the rules. I, top 10 lists are always hard to make, and I, I just hate doing them. And you, you know this because, like, the fourth best player and the ninth best player, like the difference between those players is like so slim and it's so interchangeable. So yeah, I'm gonna I agree. My tier, my, it's my tier ranking list. I made this October 9th, 2019. Mm-hmm. So I would have this is my top 11. In tier three, I would have Hakeem, Shaq, Wilt, Duncan, Russell, and Bird. And mm-hmm. in, t- in tier two, I'd have Kobe, uh, LeBron, Magic. And Kareem and tier one, of course, Jordan by himself. Mm-hmm. But I think it's pretty tier two, I would say, with Kobe and LeBron. I think a lot of people have those two guys. It's like, and with Jordan, obviously, the three most influential players of all time for our era. Yeah, I agree 100%. Yeah. And then Kareem, I people say, is overrated and stuff. I understand where they come from on that. Like, he played in the 70s, and there's two different leagues. ABA had more talent. And a lot of things in Kareem's career, like, Near the end of it, he was a lot older with Magic, and he wasn't the best player. Average like ten points per game in the finals. So I mm-hmm. do understand the criticism with Kareem, but the longevity is there, the accolades are there. His peak was extremely high with, with the Bucks, especially. I mean, yes, facts. Top to bottom, Kareem is just for me personally. He's up there, top five guaranteed. And for Magic, yeah, I agree. For Magic, a lot of people same thing with Kareem because Magic was not a great defender. I think everything outside of that. Even his shooting improved in his later career. His future shooting was very good, of course. And then, I mean, the ultimate playmaker, passer, leader, everything like that, high basketball IQ. I've just always been a huge fan of Magic, playing point guard myself, Magic Johnson. He's kind of the guy you looked up to. And, of course, Kobe. Yeah, that's true. Kobe at Tier 2 also. I would say Kobe, for me, if you want to just see where he ranks all time, I could see you having him as high as number 2. And I've seen people have him as low as number nine. I used to have him more on the, like, this five to seven range. 
But I think mm-hmm. looking at the competition he played, especially 08, 09, 2010. Yeah, in 08 and 09, every team that made the playoffs was a 50-win team. Like, yeah, and then the 48-win Warriors not making the playoffs. And I just think that's the – I personally prefer 24 Kobe over eight. I, I was Honestly, I, I agree. I agree entirely. That's all. It's personal preference also. I just feel like he was mentally on another level IQ-wise. That's just – I, I'm always been a huge fan of Kobe. Same thing with Magic. Even though I am a Celtics fan, those are always when I, I actually like, didn't. I didn't know that. I didn't. I actually didn't know you was a Celtics fan. <laughs> I, I tried to keep it on the low because, you know, Celtics Twitter is not the nicest place. I'd say that. Yeah, honestly, like everybody. It. Everybody says that they're like the the Celtics with three Ks. Everybody think they racist. And yeah, stuff. yeah. For me though, um, I don't know. Did you have anything else you wanted to add before I went? Uh, I would just say about. LeBron being in tier two, I mean, some people might have him tied with Jordan. I think he fits in more with the Kobe's, the Kareem's, and Magic's. If LeBron is able to win this year and next year, I would move up to probably tier one with Jordan. I don't think there's any way he could realistically pass Jordan. I think it's too late I was late just about that. to ask you that. I was going to ask you that. And that's something that a lot of people want to know. I don't think you've yeah. ever really addressed it, but I was going to ask you, is there anything that LeBron could ever do to pass Jordan in your eyes? And before you answer that, for me, I think yes, but I think it's very unrealistic. Like, I don't yeah. think it's a realistic shot. Like, for me, he would have to do something crazy. He would need to win, like, two more MVPs. He would have to win two more championships. And he would need two finals MVPs, too. Because if he wins the championship and, like, he's, like, the second best player or AD is the better yeah, player, yeah. it doesn't hold the same amount of weight. Because obviously Jordan was the unquestioned best player in every championship, mm-hmm. and if LeBron wasn't for his let's say six title, then it's like okay. But so if he won two more championships with two Finals MVPs and an additional two regular season MVPs, then maybe we could have that discussion. But for you, what do you what would you say LeBron has to do, or if it's even possible, like you said, for, well, for him to be the I'll start by saying right now, like after he won his fourth championship, I expected the debates to get like really heated up, but actually they. I didn't see a lot of debates, Jordan versus LeBron, because right now he's in the in-between spot. Like, a championship with the Lakers last year was great, obviously. I think established himself as, like, a top three at minimum. Mm-hmm, but, I agree. Yeah, I don't, It didn't really push me, getting close to pushing past Jordan realistically. I think this is – I happened today. I made a video about LeBron possibly reaching 50,000 career points. And you just go through – LeBron's longevity is a thing that people always are going to look to. I, I was doing the math. If he averages like 23 points per game the next six years, or even less than that, I mean, listen to these. Where he's going to finish up? First all-time in points, 22nd rebounds, mm-hmm. ahead of Rodman Oakley. Assist, he's going to finish second or third. Playoffs, he's already first. And then uh, rebounds, he's going to finish third behind Wilton Russell. Assist, he's going to be first ahead of Magic and Stockton. I mean, the, the longevity stats for LeBron are going to be absolutely insane. I wouldn't determine greatness yeah, for sure. by longevity. I don't. I don't either. I think longevity is a very flawed th- um, way to evaluate players. Yeah, because not everybody had access to the same type of health or yeah. the same type of medicine that LeBron has. So for me, when people say like, and this is the type of person I see all the time, they'll bring up total stats. Like I'm pretty sure you've seen that graphic where it shows LeBron's total stats next to Jordan. Oh, I've, yeah, I've and then yeah. and it's like. Okay, but if you do, you can do the same thing for Carl Malone, and he has more total stats than LeBron. So it's like, why are you even doing that? It's more to me. I care more about like if you're going based on totals or averages. I care more about the average. Yeah, because that tells me what I'm getting for you night in and night out. Whereas you can just play a long time and be trash. 
See what I'm saying? Yeah, it's almost like Vince Carter. Vince Carter basically had two different careers. And total stats-wise, mm-hmm. I mean, he's up there with some of the best players of all time. But is he really one of the top 30 players of all time? I don't – not no. in my mind, he's not. I don't, I, don't, I don't think he's top 50. Yeah, no, he's not in my top 50 either. But, yeah, and for my values, my ranking system, I definitely value peak way more than longevity. And yeah, thing, peak is what matters. If That's you're your talking about your who is the best basketball player of all time, you don't look at how long they played. You look at who was the best at their best. And I, you know I've said this multiple times. 91-93 Jordan, that to me is unsurpassable by anyone in today's NBA, especially LeBron. LeBron's peak is already passed, no matter what they say on TV. 2013, exactly. 2013 LeBron, that's as good as it got for LeBron on both ends. 2018, spectacular. Defense wasn't quite there. And even in 2020, he's better on defense. But he does – he takes plays off. He's a safety, basically. Sits back, and AD also helps him a lot on defense. He can rest. 2013, LeBron was up and down 24-7. Go back and watch some of those games. Exactly. Yeah, he's absolutely ridiculous. And if you look at, like, the stats, the stats can lie so easily because 2021, mm-hmm. look at the, the pace, the three-point shooting. Everything's, like, jacked up on steroids now. And then in 2013, LeBron averaging 27-6-7. So if, some, if someone who didn't watch that or doesn't understand, like, the game is more than stats. They'll say that's not LeBron's best season or whatever, just because those numbers. Well, statistically, yeah, statistically it wasn't his best, but like, like you said, we saw that series, we saw that season personally. Yeah, and the things he was able to do, the athleticism he had too, like the way he was just dunking over dudes. Like I think um, he dunked on what's that dude's name John on the Lucas? Kings back then? Oh, like he, oh. Th- on the Kings, I think. I think it was some – I don't remember his name, but he literally dunked on him. Like, his, his knees were literally on his shoulders. Like, I mean, it was he, mad high. He jumped over John Lucas and the Bulls. I mean, his freakish stuff. Like, the, his athleticism was just so different. His defense was just so different. Yeah. So, obviously, when you talk about peak, you can just tell who actually watched LeBron yeah. play and who didn't. Like, people, oh, 2018 LeBron. 2018 LeBron was great offensively. Yeah. But he was just that good defensively as well back then. And another point that I wanted to bring up, for me, I would say Jordan's – you kind of mentioned it earlier about, you know, 91, 92. I actually feel like 93 was his best season. Yeah, I said 91. Because what he yeah. did in the – oh, okay, okay. I thought you said just 92. Yeah. But 93, what he did in that final series, that was his absolute apex. Yeah. Like 41 points per game. And it's not even like the Suns were a bad defensive team. They were eighth in defense that yeah. year, if I'm not mistaken. And they were first offensively. And he went up against Dan Marley, and people say, oh, Dan Marley's trying – like Dan Marley was all defensive yeah. that year. If I'm not mistaken, and he dropped two 50 point games in that final series, and he averaged 21, which is an all time record. Like, and he averaged eight and six, too. Well, like, you know what the crazy I don't thing understand. is? If it's kind of segue into weak finals competition, that, that series mm-hmm. total points wise, I think it was 640. Both teams had 640 total points. That series was dead even with Jordan averaging 41 a game. So imagine if Jordan, I didn't know that. Imagine if Jordan had a dud series. Average like twenty two or seventeen points, and then they would easily lose that series. He had average forty. Yeah, so that tells you he, that tells you he needed they needed every one of exactly, his points. Yeah. Like that's that's insane to me. Um, I do I, I feel what you're saying about the whole tier uh, system, yeah. and in a way, it's kind of good because you know when people obviously you have a lot of following, so when, when you post like a tier list, people aren't going to really be able to hate on you because it's kind of like. It's tiers, so it's like yeah. everybody – it kind of makes it seem like everybody's kind of relative. Yeah. Whereas when you do a top 10, people are always going to have problems with it. I'll just run through my top 10 real quick. Um, at number 10, I do have Shaq 
for me, his peak is definitely up there, one of the best ever, but he wasn't much of a defender. He wasn't able to do much out without Penny, Kobe, or Wade. Um, in fact, when he had Kobe, you know, his first few seasons, he was getting swept by the Jazz. He was getting beat. So he definitely needed some type of elite guard in a way that Hakeem didn't. Um, at number nine, I do have Tim Duncan, most consistent player ever, 20 and 10. Longevity, very coachable. Probably the best defender to never win defensive player of the year. At number eight, I have Bill Russell. Best leader ever, best defender ever. I mean, I can go on about Bill. Number seven, I have Hakeem. For me, Hakeem won the two most impressive championships ever in 1994. He didn't have any all-star teammate, no all-NBA teammate, no all-defensive teammate. He led the Rockets in points, rebounds, assists, steals, and blocks, so all five categories as a center in the playoffs. <laughs> like, that's insane. Mm-hmm. And his second leading scorer, his second leading scorer was Otis Thorpe at, like, 14. So, like, for me, I don't think there's a more impressive ring than that. Number six, I got Bird. Number five, I have Magic. Number four, Kareem. And everybody gets mad at me when I say this, but I actually have Kobe and LeBron tied. Yeah. Um, if you look at the stats, obviously stats are going to tell you LeBron was better. When you just watch both of them, the eye test, it kind of tells me Kobe was better because he has so much moves, the defense, mm-hmm. the footwork, fadeaways. I mean, when you talk to people who played against both of them, and I feel like that matters, they tell you Kobe was better. The type of fear and respect he demanded out of teammates, I mean, not, not teammates, but his opponents. Like, people didn't try Kobe like that. Mm-hmm. Like, you wasn't – like, remember when KG came out and said, oh, we broke LeBron after yeah, we beat him? Yeah, no one said that about Kobe. He didn't say that about Kobe. Yeah. Because <laughs> you don't say that about somebody like Kobe. And at number one, I got the ball dude, the plumber guy. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, nah, I'm missing exactly, yeah. <laughs> I got the, I got, I got a uh, bum J mm-hmm. at number, right, number oh, one. And I'm going to write this down. That'd be another topic. I'll ask you a question on that. You got a question for me? Later on, I'll ask you about that. All right, that, that, that. Now, I'm not really good at segues or transitions or all that. Mm-hmm. You know, like when you listen to other podcasters, they have like these cool little segues. Yeah. Me, I just go ahead and switch the topic. So now we're going to talk about Luca. All right. And first things first. You could just tell who watches hoop and who doesn't, because everybody all so far this season has been flaunting his stats. Yeah. Oh, look at Lucas stats and that. Why is he not MVP candidate? Those stats. There's a difference between winning stats and losing stats. Yeah, a lot of there's people a don't difference between. That. There's a difference between high impact and low impact. Lucas stats this season have been so meaningless. Mm-hmm. And like I watched a, a few games ago. I don't know if you saw that game against um, the Suns when like Devin Booker hit that game winner. Uh-huh. Luka Doncic up to that game did absolutely nothing. He got picked by Chris Paul. Like he looked mm-hmm. lost on D. I mean, he was never a great defender anyway. But for me, the diff- I don't really know why. I mean, it seems like he's gotten worse. His three point shooting is atrocious. Yeah. He's shooting like twenty eight percent, something like that. I mean, what do you think about Luka and his seemingly um, regression? I mean, I guess Luka, the biggest thing, obviously, the jump shot. And I mean, go. This is dating back to the playoffs last year, the Clippers. And Luca's already gained reputation as a huge like complainer and whiner, and mm-hmm. I think someone pointed that out and said that I think it was Zach Lowe's podcast and Mark Cuban got mad at him. But yeah, Luca, I mean, just mentally right now, I don't think he's all there at his like absolute peak. I think if this version, if you take Luca at like twenty six, twenty seven, he's gonna have way more impactful stats. I think last year, when you look back in ten years. That might actually be Luca's best stat, like stats-wise, season twenty nine ninety nine. But I don't think it will be mm-hmm. his most impactful stat season. That's why I go back to stats being misleading. I think Luca is one of those guys you could look at the box score. Okay, he had twenty eight, fourteen, and fifteen tonight, but I don't feel like he actually played very good watching it. 
You know what I mean? Yeah, because a lot of those rebounds might have been uncontested. Well, yeah, rebounds are and... in the NBA today are like seventy five percent uncontested rebounds. Rebounds like rebounds today are really not impressive. I, I think team, <laughs> team rebounding is always super important. But for a player, mm-hmm. sometimes just watching the games, like no one, it's a fast break, pull up three, and there's maybe one guy on the under the basket and it gets rebound. Like how viable is that? For a basketball player, honestly, and there's a lot, and because I'm not to interrupt you, but like kind of to piggyback off what you just said, since there's a lot of threes being shot, a lot of these rebounds are long rebounds. Yeah. So it's like you could just be standing there, and a rebound will literally come off the rim and just come yeah. right to you. So that's why when people say, "Oh, look at his boards and that," it's like, I mean, he was just there. What is he supposed to do? Yeah. Tap the ball? Like, nah, he just grabbed the ball and went, and went for the fast break. See, and one thing, I was I was gonna tweet this out, but I decided not to. I think Luke. I mean, Luca this year has been a bigger, as big a stat patter as Westbrook was in his prime to me. Watching him, the way he's been playing, it just it screams 2017 Westbrook to me. I think, and I actually think Westbrook his stats were actually more impactful because actually the Thunder actually yeah, won yeah, yeah. games. I agree. And that I mean, the Mavs suck right now, honestly speaking. And uh, I think mm-hmm. nothing. This has not been talked about much, but Stephen Silas, I think Stephen or Stephen Silas, the Rockets head coach. He was a huge reason because mm-hmm. I always thought Rick Carlisle was kind of overrated. He hasn't won a playoff series since 2011, and he's not really shown any ability to adapt to my NBA. I think Silas, he was actually the genius behind that Mavs team. And I think not having him, that's a huge, like, loss. And then, obviously, Josh Richardson, is in, mm-hmm. he got exchanged for Curry, and Curry was amazing in the playoffs. Hardaway, obviously, a shooter. Kleber, a good shooter. And then Porzingis... Why did they even get? Why did they even get rid of him? Like Seth Curry had been. Yeah, I right think now. they just wanted they're trying to add defense with Josh Richardson, but I mean he's he peaked in Miami and he hasn't really winning wise. He hasn't really contributed. Yeah, I, I, like I said, I feel like that was such a dumb move. I feel like they should have they should have kept Seth Curry. Like he was like look what he's yeah. doing right now. Like he at the beginning of the year he was shooting like dumb. I think it was like in the high forties from three, and it's like why would you get rid of that? Yeah, that's the perfect like four spacer for Luca. But I think I think exactly during right. They're the worst shooting. They're the worst yeah, shooting yeah. team right now. If I'm it's not it's mistaken, Mister Make they say. But I think Luca's gonna have like a week or a month where he has his jump shot is actually on. And I think it's gonna change the Mavs. Like if he shoots 34 percent mm-hmm. from three this year, that's gonna change the whole offense because the way teams are playing, they're basically daring him to shoot it. And one thing is with Luca, just watching him shoot the ball, I always feel like it's gonna go in. But then you look at the stats and the stats. They, like, don't show that he's a good three-point shooter. And it's kind of the opposite with the point mm-hmm. here on the assist. I feel like he's not contributing much to the game, and I go look at the box score, and he's got these huge, huge numbers. It's kind of a flip-flop. It's kind of mm-hmm. weird noticing that for Luca. No, yeah, I feel you. I feel you. Like, for me, though, and the reason why I kind of wanted to talk about this is because another thing, and especially, this is more, like, with the media, not really with, like, people, like, on social media, but, like, people in the media were saying he's, like, the new Larry yeah. Bird or, like, I, I don't have. Like Larry Bird was legit a three level yeah. scorer. Like, and if anything, he was more mid range than a three point shooter. Like, he had the post ups, you know, the little step back fadeaways. Like, that was more Larry Bird's yeah. game anyway. So, that whole Luca Larry Bird comparison, I never thought it was mm-hmm. a valid one. I thought, if anything, if there was any type of comparison to be made, I would have said maybe like a white That's James what, yeah. Harden, but just not as good. <laughs> like, I just think he's like a white James Harden, just yeah. not as good. And, He's definitely like that whole complaining. You you mentioned the how he's complaining about calls, free throws, stuff like that. I definitely do see a lot of that, and it's actually kind of mm-hmm. embarrassing. I think I think there's like a highlight tape of him literally just yeah, complaining, it's like awful. it's getting out of control. 
So for him, though, for him to take that next step and to get back on track, he does need to start shooting better from three. Like you said, that would definitely change, like, almost everything because right now the Mavs can't shoot mm-hmm. at all. So him shooting better from three, he needs to just work on being more consistent from outside because he is shooting a lot of them, but yeah. he's just not making a lot of them. Whereas last season, he was shooting a lot of them, but he was still hitting a respectable amount. I think it was, like, 32, yeah. 33. But it's like now he's just getting worse at it, and it's like I don't really understand. I would talk about his defense, but it's like who really yeah, defends anymore? Good. I mean, that's that's what I'm getting at too. Like I don't feel like it would be nice if he could at least defend his yeah. own position, but he just isn't that great at, at defense. At defense, yeah, so defense I mean, it is really only it is. matters in the playoffs, honestly, because they're playing mm-hmm. they're playing seventy games this year. I mean, not many people are playing defense. All these back to backs, three games in four nights. People yeah, are tired. Yeah. They're lazy. I mean, Anthony Davis, Draymond Green was saying how he's out of shape from the bubble already. Like, yeah, I don't think – half the league, I think, is still tired from the bubble. Yeah, because it was only like a 70-day yeah, layoff, whatever, um, yeah. turnaround. And it's like – yeah, that's that's insane. Now, I do want to get your opinion on, on KD, and not just KD, but the Nets in general. Do you think it's championship by bust, first of all? I think anytime you have three guys – in my opinion, three top 15 players – Kyrie, Harden, and KD, obviously. It has to be champion to a bust for me. And I understand the defense, mm-hmm. the defensive I'm problems. He's been washed. I've been saying that for since they got him in the net. It seems like he, it seems like Chris Paul made him. Let's just be real. Yeah, DeAndre. Like, he looked real good next to Chris Paul. A lot of bigs look good next to Chris Paul because he's one of the best point guards ever, obviously. But exactly. he did DeAndre's job, I mean, and he was playing, I would think, in the weakest era for centers ever. I mean, it was post-Dwight Howard. Who was really the dominant center he was going against? I mean, Joaquin Noah? Yeah, you're right. There's not, not, not much competition at the center position. That was the, the, that was definitely the weakest. Yeah, and I think was that was – he benefited from that tremendously. And then in the playoffs with him, spacing-wise, I love Joaquin – I love Jared Allen. Getting back to the D'Angelo Russell Nets, he was always one of my favorite guys off the bench. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, they lost Dinwiddie and then traded away Levert. I was I really wanted to see the KD and Kyrie duo a little bit more. Obviously, it's good to trade for Harden. You, anytime you can get a top what six player in the league, I think you go do that. See, but you know, I was you know, I wish could have happened. I wish that I mean, obviously, I don't know if it was even possible or if the Rockets would have been with it. But I was hoping that the Nets could just trade Kyrie for Harden. Like I'm gonna be honest with you, I feel like that would have been fire because then you would have retained a lot of that depth, a lot of that bench. Um, I don't know if you would have had. I don't know if they would have had yeah. to get rid of Karras, but obviously Dinwiddie at some point is going to come back. You probably would have got to cap Jared Allen, and obviously he was a real anchor for that defense. And I just feel like KD and Harden would would have been fired. And it's like you wouldn't have to worry about Kyrie yeah. dribbling the ball. It could have been just a James Harden KD show. That's how I was feeling. How would you have felt about that? If that was the case. I mean, I think the the NBA, especially the playoffs, is a superstar league. And I think I understand. I think mm-hmm. that team of KD and Harden plus depth for the regular season, that would be like probably the best team in the league. But and I think just still having Kyrie, someone a closer, he's been there in the playoffs, big shots. I think anytime you can have three guys like that, I think you have to put them together. And here's, I'll segue into this. The Brooklyn Nets, when the trade happened, I was thinking like long and hard, is this team a super team? They have three top 15 guys, which historically that, that makes you a super team. But just the, but That's like usually the first said, ingredient. The depth is just so bad, and the defense is probably the worst defense I've seen right now. They were playing the Pistons before I got on here. They had the worst yeah, defensive the rating ever. 
it's I mean, they're not the favorites by any means over the Lakers, I wouldn't say. But to make it out of the East, I think the East is the minimum to get out of. I think having KD, who is the best player in the East, I think they should be able to make it out of the East, obviously. No, I'm not I'm not gonna lie to you real quick about KD. I didn't see this coming. And I know you kind of – I saw your tweet about this. I think it was yesterday or the day before that you made it. You said how this is the yeah. best KD we ever saw. I don't know if he was better than 2014 KD, but, I mean, it's definitely debatable either way. But the fact that he's able to average 30, yeah. and what, like 8 and 5, something like that, and he's just off an Achilles at 32 years old, yeah. that's wild. Oh. Like, that's dumb crazy. And he, he doesn't even look like he's lost mm-hmm. any bit of a step, especially offensively. Maybe he's not quite as good – defensively, but it's like he was yeah. never, like, the best defender in the league anyway. But he still, I mean, I think he averaged, like, a block a game, which is which is nice. But offensively, he hasn't lost a step at all. He looks really good. It, he's just so smooth. And it, the way his game is, I mean, he probably wasn't going to lose much anyway because it doesn't yeah. rely on athleticism. But I am happy to see KD back. I think everybody did miss seeing him play. He was kind of an MVP candidate for a while until, like, he missed a few games and then the whole Harden thing. But as far as you, like you said, is this Nets team a super team? Mm-hmm. Nah, I really can't say that because all super teams that we've had in the league in NBA history, with the exception of the like oh one Lakers, had like top tier yeah. defenses. Um, so I can't. Defense is half of the game, even though it might not be as emphasized today. And just because of that, as well as the lack of depth, I would say it's not a super team, but. This is definitely the best super team to not be a super team. Yeah, I, I just <laughs> definitely say that. I mean, and I think depending on how the all-star voting goes, I mean, Harden, Kyrie, and KD obviously have a chance to start. The last team to have three starters for whatever, East or West, was like the 1982 76ers. So, I mean, star power is definitely there for a super team, but like you said, the depth is just mm-hmm. atrocious right now. I mean, once Dinwiddie gets back, I mean, maybe it'll start to pick up. But then you still have the problem with defense. Mm -hmm. So that's going to be their biggest issue. Now, you did just mention the All-Star game, and everybody's been talking about this lately. Do you think there should be an All-Star game to begin with? Well, I I was talking to my friend. I was eating uh, lunch earlier today with him. I was saying, for me personally, I'm more interested to see who actually gets selected to the All-Star game than the actual All-Star game itself. That's my – I don't know how you feel about that. But I think it's always the anticipation. Wait, wait, so wait, say that one more time, my bad. Say that one more I'm time. Looking, I'm more looking forward to see who gets selected as an all-star than the actual all-star game. Honestly, that's facts. Yeah. I'm, <laughs> I, I actually agree. I, I think the exception would be last year because the format changed. But even before that, it was always who's going to be a first-time all-star, who's going to be the captains. That's always what you want to see because most years the all-star game was pretty crap, and last year was an exception to that. Because of the rules, obviously, but yeah, last year was actually I thought last year was so fire. Yeah, like they were actually playing like especially in that fourth yeah. quarter, it was really like Ding up, diving for loose balls. And I'm hoping. I mean, I don't think they're doing that format this year, but I mean, I don't know who's in control of controlling the format, but whoever it is, they need to do that every year because that was yeah. fire. But as far as like, I honestly don't even really care to see it if it's going to be a regular All Star game. I actually. And wish you 100%. I feel like I just want to know who's the All-Stars. Yeah. Now, I'll take it even a step further. I don't really care if they have the game or not. I just want to know who made Yeah, it. that's exactly it. Yeah. <laughs> like, tell us who made, who would have played. Yeah. How about that? And then you know in uh, 99, when they had the lockout, they there was no mm-hmm. All-Star game. And they didn't select All-Stars. So that's the thing. I would hope they still select All-Stars, even if they don't have the All-Star game. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, 
players' money gets dependent on that. Guys like Jalen Brown, first-time All-Star, C.D. McCollum, that's just something nice to have on your resume that you were actually a NBA All-Star at one point. Exactly. And, and speaking of well, – this is not going to be a topic, but you did mention C.J. McCollum. Mm-hmm. And I feel like before he hurt his foot, he was literally third or fourth in the league in yeah. scoring. He was putting on by 27 a game. He was playing so well. And it was like – the thing about C.J., though, is like he plays in such like a talented guard mm-hmm. league that in like 30, 40 years from now, people might low-key forget who he was. Like, because he wasn't a top-tier guard. But, like, the way he was coming out this season playing, he was putting on like 27 a game, like I said – if he if the All Star game does happen, I just hope that he gets selected because he definitely is deserving. I don't know how you feel well, about yeah, that. Yeah, the conference they're so deep this time, so many players. That's the only I think problem. The East actually has I don't know if this means the East is better than the West, but the East, the all star caliber players they have, like Zach Levine is a borderline all star right now and he's been out of his mind. Mm-hmm. So I think the just the pure depth of the league right now is like amazing. And just going back to DeAndre Jordan, like Back in the 2014-2015, like, I didn't feel like the league had this much talent in it. I think, like, mm-hmm. over these past, like, say, like, 2017 to 2020, like, the talent level in the league has gotten, like, absolutely insane. Mm-hmm. I agree 100%. And then, and, like, with the skill set of players and stuff, I mean, guys back in the 80s, 90s, you could not make a living off just being a great shooter. Literally now guys can get paid, like, Thirty million dollars. Yeah, actually, uh, Kenny Kenny said that. Kenny dismissed Kenny the he Jet did? Smith. He said the same thing. He said, "Yeah." He literally went out and said, "Like, um, I'm trying to quote him." He said, "If you're good at shooting, like if you if you know how to shoot real well, you you might be able to get yeah. a job today. Like you might be employed." But back in when when he played, you couldn't just be a shooter. You had to do something else good. Yeah. So I do agree with that 100. percent But and I also agree about the talent being like real real deep. It's like you have people like Zach Levine. See people like CJ who who probably won't make the All Star team, but it's like in any other year they definitely yeah. would make it. But that's just that just goes to show you how deep you know the talent is in today's league, especially at that guard position. I mean, especially in the West. I mean, you got Dame, you got you got Steph. I mean, you just yeah. got so many top tier point guards, and it's like if you a guard, you got to really be averaging like thirty to make the All Star team, which is what Beal did last year. Yeah. He didn't make it. See what I'm saying? That's just insane for me. Now, LeBron did come out and say that he has zero interest yeah. at all in playing the All-Star game. He said that he, he trying to miss yeah. it. Um, De'Aaron Fox also said he doesn't want to, but he said that because it was a fine, he's going to keep play if he gets selected. But what about the whole COVID protocol things? Like, Do you feel like if they do have the All-Star game that it might be a risk to the players? Like, what, what's your thoughts on that? I mean, the whole co- – Adam Silver, I don't think, has gotten enough, like, criticism about this. The COVID thing since the season started, like – very lax at the beginning, and then, like, players can't handshake, whatever. The rules have just been kind of whack for me just looking at them. Obviously, last week, Katie, like, had to come off the bench, came in the game, got taken out. And then they and then they took they him back out. out. What in the world? Yeah, the, the rules are all over the place. And Adam Silver, after his bubble showing and, like, getting the bubble together, I think since then he's been actually pretty bad of a GM – he was in his bag yeah. during the bubble. Now he's like trash. Like, what are you? How are you gonna pull? Like, what was the purpose of pulling yeah, mid-game? No if he, if there, if he was worried about COVID, exactly. It's too late for that. Like, you yeah, and the saying? contact tracing. Like, guys have missed so many games. The Celtics right now are like eleven and ten. Like this year, obviously, I don't think there's gonna be fans in the stadium. So I think seating is more important than actual home court advantage for teams this year. So I think, in a way, COVID is kind of. I don't want to say it's like 
changed the landscape of the NBA, but it's definitely affected like how teams position themselves basically on seeding. I think that could be a huge thing going forward if teams miss like twenty. Yeah, games. especially with things like the play in, yeah. things like the play in, and then especially um, all these back to backs that we got going on. And then it's kind of like almost a mini playoff series because whenever a team plays a certain team, they like play them twice yeah. in a row. Um, like I believe, what was it? The Wizards just played the Heat like twice. They're playing yeah. the Knicks. The Warriors right are playing the Spurs again. I was just about to watch that game too, but then you told me you was ready to hop yeah. on, so I missed it. But, <laughs> but um, for though, I mean, when someone like LeBron comes out and says that he doesn't want an All Star game at all, that really does. I mean, whenever LeBron speaks, the yeah. NBA is going to listen. I don't think they're going to make a choice based on what LeBron said, but it's definitely going to weigh in into their decision. If they do have an all-star game, I'm told that the players like who aren't selected are going to be able to just be free and do yeah. whatever they want during that weekend. And if that's the case, that poses a really huge risk to the league because you don't know what mm-hmm. they're going to be doing. You see what I'm saying? They're going to be visiting yeah. friends, all kind of stuff. So I don't really know how I feel about it. Like I said before, I just care about who gets yeah, selected. Yeah, that's the bottom line. <laughs> I don't really there. care to see. Like, just tell us who would have played, and then that's it. Now, speaking of all the talent coming up in the league – Let's just talk about the young players. Now, for me personally, my favorite player out of the young crop coming up mm-hmm. is John Morant. How about you? Like, who, who, who you just Are we really talking love watching? under 25 or what's the parameters? Yeah, yeah. Like, I would say, like, who, someone who just came in the last few years. I would say maybe the last four or four five, or five years. years. So, does Tatum qualify as that? Yeah, well, Tatum, Tatum does. Qualify. Then, I mean, his growth has been ridiculous. Tatum as well. He's yeah. one of my favorites, too. And, like, he's. Like, he, he doesn't. Like his, I mean, if you look at that picture of him in 2018 compared to now, he's like so much stronger. He's obviously his step backs like a patented move now. The offensive game has been like mm-hmm. I couldn't two years ago if you said Tatum's averaging like 26 a game, I'd be like, oh my god, that's like his absolute peak. But now I feel like he's averaging 26 and he can mm-hmm. actually get better and be a guy who averages 30 a game and possibly win an MVP down the line. Yeah, the only the only problem with him, honestly, is just I would say just be a little bit of a yeah. better playmaker. But aside from that, I mean, there's no real hole in his game. He can shoot from three. His mid range game is real smooth. He can get to the basket, dunk on you. He's like six what he's six nine, too, yeah. six ten. Yeah, I mean that's crazy too. Like everybody said that he's growing out of nowhere, and like, that's even he's only what twenty two. And everybody been killing him for his performance against the Heat last year yeah. in the Eastern Conference Finals, and it's like. Yeah, my man is 21 years old. Like, yeah, relax. Well, if you look at some of these <laughs> you know guys. Like, the, I was doing a a video getting ready, like the top 10 players from the 2016 draft. Like, Jamal Murray is only 23 years old. I feel like he's like 27. Like, these guys. I feel like Jamal Murray exactly, is for a saying, while. Like, we got to give these guys a little bit of time to like actually grow. At 23 years old, like, and that's still like very young for an NBA star or superstar. That's like. There's not many players who come out of the gate and are amazing like that. Yeah, facts. Yeah, so. facts. And people, and speaking about Jamal Murray, everybody's saying like, because you know this year yeah. kind of mid. Everybody's saying, oh, you know, it was a flu, it was the bubble, this and that. Now, I don't really know what that means, like because some players said it was harder in the bubble, some players yeah. say it was easier. At the end of the day, I don't really get either side because it's just basketball. Yeah. See what I'm saying? Like, you just playing ball. Like, I don't understand how it's that much different. Everybody keeps saying how, oh, you know, Jamal Murray overrated yeah. and he will never do that again. Do you feel like it was a fluke or do you feel like he just really is good and just maybe having an off? Maybe just off. I right mean, I, the crowd part, I think, is a like a. I played basketball high school and I played 
all through four years. And, like, starting out on JV, if you go to a game and there's nobody in the stands, it definitely does affect your shot. Like, it's it's a lot easier to shoot in a gym that's silent than a gym that's, like, packed, if you know what I'm talking about. Like, yeah, yeah, that's I think true. it's just a different vibe to the game. I think the atmosphere, the playoff intensity, it's still there in the bubble, but I think you definitely get, like, a little bit more fans there. I just it's a it's slightly I don't want to discredit Jamal Murray completely because obviously he's scoring like fifty points. Yeah, that's what I'm getting at too. I don't see how people can. Yeah, because how you go from scoring fifty points to scoring like yeah. seventeen a game and then you blame it all on the bubble? Like, nah, he that can't yeah. be just because of the bubble. He was that good. He was good enough to score that. Now I don't really know how you feel about people like Zion. Do you feel like the hype for Zion has died? And do you feel like he's gonna how good do you hey, feel I'm, he's gonna be? I had this in. I tweeted out Zion like. Uh, 2020 is the most hype rookie, and like this year, nobody's talking about him. Mm-hmm. And that's no, I have to say one thing. Bleacher Report stole my tweet off that, and they posted something just like that. Yeah, for real, they have the interns watching. That's him. crazy. I mean, I got the clock. Oh, yeah, I, I saw it was like an hour later, it's like the exact same tweet, but like in Bleacher Report format. But yeah, Damn, yeah that's Zion, crazy. I mean, I'm I live in the Carolinas, so I. I for like a while, I mean Zion was mm-hmm. like when mm-hmm. he signed his college intent. He was either Clemson or Duke. I mean that was like a huge deal, like him not going to Clemson. I mean he was looked at as like the next LeBron, mm-hmm. the next the chosen one, the Kobe, the Jordan. Like he was getting those comparisons, and for someone to fall off, like media coverage wise, it's just so odd to see that. And it's not like he's playing bad. He's averaging like twenty four, seven and two. On sixty percent shooting. Yeah, he's playing good. He's playing. He's, he's playing real solid. Yeah, I'm just. If you talk about the, and he's not missing games. Yeah, but he's actually playing. And if you talk about the Pelicans, the Pelicans roster, absolutely, I absolutely hate it. Stephen Adams, Jackson Hayes, Eric Bledsoe, Lonzo falling off a clip. I'm not even gonna talk about Lonzo. Lonzo's been. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, look at Stan Van Gundy. I I never liked the Van Gundys. I like Jeff Moore, but Stan Van Gundy has not been a good coach since the '09 Magic. And he's playing JJ Redick like twenty minutes per game. A guy who's like the perfect Redick is spacer. Redick is washed. I would I put him out there like the shooter. So, I mean, aside from that, I mean, he's just I don't I don't really know how I feel about Redick, but the whole Eric Bledsoe thing. Eric Bledsoe's trash. Yeah, let's just keep it real. Stephen Adams is not trash, but he just doesn't fit this he team just, at all. Exactly, it's a like... terrible fit. It's like, and then Lonzo's hot trash, like. His brother's already better than yeah, him. Yeah, that's, that's, <laughs> mm, that's something. The only thing Lonzo's really, like, that I'm, I was impressed by, especially last year, was his defense. I thought it was pretty solid. But aside from that, Lonzo's just hot trash. Well, like, back to Lonzo's um, rookie year, like when he was coming, I used to I, 1 o'clock watching Pac-12 basketball UCLA. I mean, Lonzo, he was like mm-hmm. a dynamic offensive, like scoring, passing, rebounding. He basically could do it all. And, like, I knew, mm-hmm. I knew it was getting bad for Lonzo. When, like, people had to bring up the defensive highlights, obviously that's a good thing, but, like, on Twitter, when they're having defensive highlights of you, you know you're pretty garbage. Yeah, like whenever offense. you slander Lonzo, when you slander Lonzo, not, that's not even what they do. This is what yeah. they do. Whenever you slander Lonzo, they bring up a, a five-game stretch where he averaged, like, 16 points per game. Yeah. Oh, but he's not trash. Like, nah, he's trash. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> Are you serious? Expectations for him, too. Like, talking about Zion expectations. Uh, Lonzo had expectations that rivaled Zion, like, for a point guard. They were saying he was better than Steph. Well, not that well, yeah, father. The famous 40-inch vertical. <laughs> yeah. That's what I'm, he said he was Steph with a 40-inch vertical, and it's like, 
He's literally neither of those things. I don't even. Yeah, I mean, 40, he don't yeah. have a forty-inch vertical. Where now transitioning one more time. Um, I do want to talk about the MVP race. Is getting every other day. It's, it's a different order. Every other day, somebody else is in it. Somebody else gets knocked off. For me, it's trust the process and be. Yeah. That's why I got winning MVP. If it were to start, if the voting was right now, uh, the media isn't making a case for LeBron. Right. Not that LeBron is undeserving, but they're trying to make it seem like he should be the favorite to win it. And I think they're really bugging. Um, you got the Joker, Kawhi. I mean, who do you what what do you what, who do you believe the MVP race is between? And who do you think should win it? See, the MVP right now, I would go like yeah, I go Embiid. He's been like, mm-hmm. he's not even been the best big man this year, but like this season so far fits an MVP description. I think LeBron with AD being out for however long, I think the media if LeBron goes off the next few games without AD and they win. The media is gonna be pushing LeBron like super hard, and if it comes down, oh, if sure. it comes down to LeBron versus Embiid, I can already tell you. I don't have to look at the stats, the record. I can tell you who's gonna win the MVP, and it's not Joel Embiid. Wait, so you saying if LeBron and Embiid, if it comes down to them two, you got LeBron winning? Oh yeah, LeBron. The media pushed by LeBron, they're basically gonna give him a lifetime achievement award for an MVP, even if he doesn't deserve it. They're gonna give it to him just because he's been quote unquote robbed of MVPs in the past, which. Mm-hmm. In my opinion, is not true at all. If you go look, I agree. I agree. The awards, but yeah, the 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 media propaganda for LeBron's been pretty heavy since 2016, and like it's been one of the reasons I created my account because I cannot stand guys like Nick Nick Wright, especially is probably the worst. He's not probably the worst. He is the worst. Well, it's because he actually believes what he's saying. Skip Bayless does not believe what he's saying. I don't think. Yeah, I think Skip is a troll for the most part. Like whenever he talks bad about LeBron, like he jokes. Yeah. But the thing about Nick. And I feel like no one ever brings this up is the fact that with Nick, it's not that he's smart. It's just the people he has on the show are dumb as rocks. Like oh, Brandon has, Marshall knows nothing. Like he literally, like he has people along who play football and talk, and and the only thing they know about Jordan is six and zero. Oh. So whenever yeah. he talks about LeBron, he seems so much smarter than them because the people he's arguing with are literally just like oh, but they Jordan the same was six stuff. and zero. Oh. That's what yeah. I'm saying. And like, and then Chris Broussard, too. I think he mad overrated. People be saying, oh, yeah, he did go yeah. this and that. It's like, how? No. Yeah, but uh, just going back to yeah, the whole media setup is just, in my opinion, it's pretty bad. Like, I think Skip Bayless and Nick Wright, like, they're necessary evils. They give us, like, something to talk about. But the thing about Nick Wright that is so frustrating, like, he I, – I think he actually does know basketball – but on his show, he he leaves out important details on purpose. He misses like out he, so much context. He's intentionally being misleading, which is like one of the things that is like drives me insane. And then nobody he's on the show with noticed, like no one corrects him about the stuff no, he's left yeah, out. Yeah, and then you have Stephen A. Smith uh, the past few years. Like, I mean, anytime it's a Jordan Lebron subject, like he repeats the same old things, like six and zero, six and zero. Like That's Jordan, what everybody says. Like nobody knows Jordan, how to debate for Jordan. I cannot remember the last time I heard someone talk about like ninety one, ninety three, how dominant he was. I cannot remember the last time I heard a media person talk anything about that. They don't. They don't talk about that stuff. And then I know the Super Bowl just happened. I don't know how much you follow football. I mean, for, Brady, I, for football, I kind of just watched the Super Bowl. Okay. I'm not. I'm not huge in football though. But well, I know let me just the say say this: Tom Brady, seven rings. Obviously, he's the the goat in my opinion. I, when I people agree. Ar- when people argue for Brady, they only say seven rings, just like Jordan six rings. Like Tom Brady has like some of the best stat seasons ever, just like like Jordan has. Jordan his four I think was the best and the greatest. Brady mm-hmm. I don't think he's the best. But yeah, the the way people argue these debates though, it's like 
it's so frustrating to watch. That's like one of the reasons I made my account mm-hmm. to argue the other side. Because most of my fans, I wouldn't say they're old heads or like stuck in the past. This is, I don't feel like Jordan fans knew how to argue on social media. Like they just, they oh, I, I watched don't. it. I watched it. You didn't watch it. So I'm right. Like, that doesn't, that's not a debate. It doesn't work in a, a yeah, debate. Yeah, that, that doesn't help you win an argument. That doesn't make you look cool. It just, you saying that you watched it live does nothing for the argument. Because like, anybody can say they did that. Let me let me just that uh, that argument too. Like debating LeBron, I debated that one LeBron fan, and he tried. <clears throat> excuse me. He kind of tried to pull that like, oh, I'm older than you. I, I saw. I know it. And like, if you, I watched Kobe Bryant number twenty four. It's literally impossible to remember. Like, oh, I remember how Kobe was in the finals. Like, you cannot remember that much of someone's career. Like, yes, you watched it live, but. You don't remember every single detail. You have YouTube. You have these resources. You can go, go back now it, yeah. and watch the games in their entirety. See what's true, what's not, what's embellished with Jordan, what's not. You can go back and actually look at those things. And I speaking think, to that, like a prime example, and not to cut you off, I'm gonna let you continue. I'm gonna let you continue, but a prime example of what you literally just said is when people say, "Oh, well, you know what." Magic, you know, he M- Michael Jordan guarded Magic game one in ninety one finals, and uh, he got torched. But when you yeah. actually watch this, when you watch that game, Jordan was literally picking him up ninety four feet. Magic could barely dribble when Jordan was on him, and then he'd be like, "Oh yeah, after that, Pippen was on him for the whole series, which also isn't true. Pippen only guarded Magic for game two. If you watch game three, four, and five, it was Jordan. Like, so people, the things that people say, oh, you know." Michael couldn't guard Magic. He needed Pippen to guard him. Michael overrated defenders and that. It's like, did you watch that series or not? Because when you watch that series, it's very clear that Jordan played great defense on Magic. And Pippen only guarded him in game two because uh, I believe Jordan got into some foul trouble early on. So it's like, how much hoops do y'all really know? Yeah, that that's a perfect topic. Like, when I first had my account, whatever, I, that was one of the first myths I looked up because I'd heard it so much. Mm-hmm. And I actually watched the games and I tallied, like, I actually counted how long each of them guard each other and how many shots they took on each other. Like, Magic, all he would do, he would just go in the post on Jordan and he would pass out of it. Like, Magic was not, like, some dynamic score on Jordan. Like, that is so overblown, that myth. of, And it's all a myth surrounding Jordan. Mm-hmm. Obviously, on Twitter, we can get, talk about how terrible Twitter is for basketball. With, like, the Jordan, like, the 1-9 argument is probably the worst argument in the history of I don't of think I've ever heard – the only thing the, – there's, there's – there's, um... There's two things on Twitter that literally like drive me insane. It's Jordan was one in nine or Kobe was carried by Shaq. Those are the two like biggest lies I think we're ever told. Like because neither and, one of those things are true at all. Yeah. And the thing is, like in twenty twenty one, if you don't know that those things are false and like misleading myths, like you should not be talking basketball at this point. Exactly. And then I like the exact same way. I don't want to make this a LeBron versus Jordan comparison video, but Jordan, first three years, okay, he made the playoffs three times, lost the Dynasty Celtics, and he lost to the Bucks, who had Sidney Moncrief, defensive player of the year, Terry Cummings, an all-star. He's a 30-point-per-game score. Yeah, and then he lost to those guys. And then he lost to the Dynasty Celtics, had like five Hall of Famers. LeBron's first two years in the, the weak East, the, the early 2000s East, he missed the playoffs the first two years, and then he mm-hmm. won one playoff series versus, I think, Gilbert Arenas' Wizards. Like, he wasn't playing the Dynasty Celtics. And, like, to only nitpick Jordan's first three years, like, that honestly is more of a compliment to Jordan. It shows how – I mean, his journey as becoming a champion, he basically worked his way up from the bottom. Got He had literal crackheads on his team when he first got there. Yeah, and like, the, the what last, are we talking yeah. about? 
the last dance um i liked it in general i love i knew most of the stuff some of the things were kind of interesting to see but like the the people who criticized the last dance saying like it didn't show jordan's lows or his his mistakes like the last dance covered his gambling his missed game winners it showed how important pippen was like the last dance it was a pretty good overview of NBA history. Obviously, it left out some details. I think, yeah. I mean, I do. I agree with you 100. I feel like the last dance was. It was obviously nothing's perfect. It wasn't perfect. Yeah. But I feel like it was a really good portrayal of what you know the things that Jordan had to do. I feel like it was a great portrayal of you know people saying, "Oh, we got thrown out of the league as a gambling." Yeah. David Stern was literally on the last dance, and he said, "That's not why." Like. Yeah. That you see what I'm saying? So, I think it did a good job, but I also feel like. Like you said, the people who I, I don't know if people really watched it, but they keep saying, "Oh, it didn't show like you know him losing this and that." Yes, it did. Like, yeah, yeah. So it showed the whole Pistons thing. It showed when he was like when he told up when he hit up um, Grover and was like, "Oh, you know, I want to start practicing tomorrow." Yeah, something like that. Like it showed all the lows too. So when people say, "Oh, you know what? It didn't. It didn't show the the bad parts." Is like, did you really watch or not? Exactly. Yeah. And even if even if you wanted to say that, it's a Michael Jordan documentary. Yeah, it's like what did you want it to be all bad? Did you want it to be a Michael Jordan overrated documentary? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, I don't get that. I mean, yeah, this is a great topic too. Like people upset that Scottie Pippen wasn't in it anymore. Like Scottie Pippen had his own whole episode. Like yeah, he had a whole Steve Kerr had his own episode. Yeah, but Steve Kerr, they like a superstar. Like Steve Kerr was a guy off the bench who hit like a huge clutch shot in '97. Like. Besides that, I mean, he did not provide much for the Bulls outside of shooting. I mean, yeah, outside of spacing, I mean, he wasn't a ball handler. He was a liability on defense. Yeah, I mean, yeah. But it, but I mean, even he got his own episode. Like, so it wasn't just about Jordan. Anyway. Yeah, I didn't understand the criticism of that. And, like, I think – I don't know if they've greenlit this yet, but, like, the Kobe doc's going to come out soon. They'll eventually, whenever, how would LeBron, whenever LeBron retires, they'll have a LeBron documentary. I just think the special thing about the Jordan documentary is, like, the journey he took, he started at the bottom, went up, got knocked down, came back each year, and then eventually got over the top, and he three-peated, retired, came back, lost, got motivated, and then won three more championships. Like, the story aspect of Jordan, like, it's not going to get any better. I don't think we're ever going to see another player who has that storyline. And that's like the, if you call it the mystique of Jordan being the GOAT, like, the GOAT for me is more than just stats, more than accolades, more than that. That stuff's important. It's, it's, it has to be. It's everything. It's but, yeah, the, it, Jordan has to be, yeah. It just has the it. Like, you recognize him. Oh, that's the greatest. You know it's the greatest. Like, and getting back to, like, dumb Twitter arguments, whenever you see someone say, like, oh, Bill Russell has 11 rings. He's got to be the greatest, whatever. Like, I hate people bring up Bill Russell just to, like, I don't want to cuss, but, like, shit on his rings. Like, mm-hmm. no one talks about Bill Russell like they should. Like, he, he was more than 11 championship rings. Like, he was a great, great defensive player. In my opinion, he's his defensive impact is probably up there with Hakeem. Like, I just the Twitter is just like I have to do it. It's a necessary well, thing I have to do. Yeah, I feel I feel you. Now but the whole thing about the Bill Russell thing and like whenever people bring up the rings, it's like I don't wanna discredit him because I'm actually one of the people who think Bill Russell underrated. I think Bill Russell better than Will Chamberlain. Yeah. I've watched the Bill Russell documentary, the stuff he had to deal with. I think he's the best leader ever. Like, in terms of actually making your teammates better, I don't think anybody did that better than Bill. And it's like, whenever people bring up the 11 oh, rings argument right. to try to discredit Jordan, it's kind of like, why? You see what I'm saying? Yeah. All right, so you said you had something you wanted to ask me you know, early on in the show. What is it that you wanted to bring to my attention? I had two things I was going to ask you about. Like, I don't know if you saw the recent Kevin Garnett comments about how 
Yeah, about oh, players yeah, twenty thirty years ago could not. I just found that comment like extremely interesting because Kevin Garnett was drafted ninety six, so he's mm-hmm. basically putting himself down by saying that like the guards now or guards can play now, and like of course they love social media loves that anytime you like hate on a past era people eat that up. Yeah, exactly. They use that to say, oh yeah, see that's more proof that uh, Jordan was a bummer or this and that. But here's the thing about that, and this is why it's so stupid. He said in the quote, 20 years ago, players today, players then couldn't play yeah. now. 20 years ago was 2001. The two best guards in the NBA at that time were peak Allen Iverson and Kobe Bryant, who was averaging 30 points mm-hmm. a game in, the, in, the, well, in yeah. the playoffs. So if you don't think that peak Allen Iverson exactly, and peak Kobe exactly. Bryant couldn't play today, you need to stop talking about basketball. And look, here's the thing. Because... I always say this tweet. <laughs> LeBron and Co- – or, excuse me, Jordan and Kobe – played together last season against each other 2003 or 2002 Mm -hmm. LeBron came in the year like LeBron was a year after Jordan retired like these players are not that far apart in terms of air they almost crossed paths literally Mm -hmm. I feel the same way LeBron has literally played in I would say there's he's played in what two decades but it's basically been three eras I would say it's the 10 era then the 11 to 16 era, and then 17 to 21 is like the three-point offensive. Like the the offensive pace has gone up every single year since then. So to say that – Which really means we're just shooting more. Exactly. Threes. So in 2023 <laughs> – or in 2033, are we going to be saying that LeBron could not play? The version of LeBron 20 years ago could not play in the 2033 NBA? Like is that a rational conversation to have? Obviously not. Like – he could easily – LeBron could transcend any era. That's what superstars do. Yeah, I, you know what? You, you spit it right now. I feel the exact same way because there are some players today that would not have been that good if they played in the early 2000s. What I mean by that is the rules. Yeah, it's all about the rules too. that you play under. So, Trey Young would not be a good player in the early mm-hmm. 2000s. Do you see, like, have you, have you well, been watching seen, him, I, all the rough baiting he's been doing? The does is disgusting, in my opinion. He was not if – he, if he was playing in, like, 2000 – when at the same time when AI was literally getting slammed to the floor, Trey Young would be a role player. See what I'm saying? So it works both ways. It's mostly about the rules. People, when people say, "Oh, evolution," play people, humans, humans don't change that evolve. much. In 10 it years. Like two thousand years to evolve. Like, yeah, it, it takes like centuries. You want to watch about for yeah. people to evolve? Like evolution. Like this guy did TED talk about it. Like you take the fastest runner from like 1919, compare him to, like Usain Bolt, and like you. Give him the stuff that we have now, the training, all that stuff. Like he would be like maybe a step behind Usain Bolt. Exactly. So like it's, when people say that, it's like they they make it seem like Jordan was playing against cavemen, yeah, and LeBron's playing against like a bunch of oh, bodybuilders. Yeah, there's builders. definitely like, some, some athletes in the NBA today who are even take Steph. Steph Curry is not a freak athlete. The best players in the NBA right now are not it's even that skill. athletic. Basketball is always a skill. It's, it's mostly yeah, about skill. Basketball is a skill game. It's always been. Harden is not athletic at all. He he kind of big. kind of chubby, fat. yeah. That's the thing. That's what I'm saying. So all the strong guys, being strong and buff, Matt overrated. I well, mean, I saw him. Who's – when you – Go ahead. Go ahead. You go ahead. Like all the big, strong dudes, they say, oh, yeah, he might not have a good career. He might be injury yeah. prone. That's what we were saying about Zion last year and Zion buff as hell. So, like, I don't really understand when people are going with that when they say, oh, yeah, uh, Back in Jordan's day, nobody could dribble with their left hand, yeah. this and that. And it's like, did you watch even 
Like, you don't even have to watch the games to know that's yeah. not true. You can just literally watch a highlight tape. And when people be like, oh, John Stockton couldn't dribble with his left. And it's like, do you even know what John Stockton looked yeah, like? Yeah, I'm glad. I'm <laughs> For glad that players that? in today's league, like, just take Luka and uh, Jokic, Jokic specifically. Like, this dude was overweight, and he's still dominating the NBA. Like, he's averaging, what, 28, 13, and 9 right now? He can't jump out of his exactly. shadow. And, like, if you take Jokic, this version of Jokic, and put him – in like 1986, swap him and Larry Bird, they would be calling Jokic a plumber just because of the way he looks and the film he's playing on. They they would call him a plumber, but he's, mm-hmm. he's still a great player. He'd be good in any era. Would he be better in the 80s than 20 uh, this era? Like, there's little distinctions that make players better or worse. But for the most part, a general a general rule I use: if you're a superstar, you're a superstar for a reason. You're going to transcend the era. That's why you're a superstar, a Hall of Famer. Yeah, exactly. Like LeBron could play any era. I think KD could play any yeah. era. Obviously, I think Jordan could play yeah. any era. They're just players that are just transcendent yeah. talents. And if you, you know want to talk saying? about, and go ahead. Go ahead. All right, I'll just go. I'll just go. What well, like the most disrespected athlete? I'm not athlete, but NBA player at least on the Bird app. I feel like it's Larry Bird. People honestly, truly believe he's Joe Ingles, yeah. and it's like. Do y'all not see, like, how much of a great passer and, like, playmaker yeah. Larry Bird was? Like, the type of passes he was doing? And it's like, I feel like if you put Larry Bird in the NBA today with all this spacing and all this three-point yeah. shooting, he would literally, like, this NBA would be food to him. Like, I feel like Bird would average, like, a cool well, let me, 30 let me points tell you this right now. Larry Bird grew up Indiana. He grew up high school, no three-point line, no nothing. So imagine mm-hmm. a, player, a player today in high school shooting at a three-point line, but in the year 2030, when he's a rookie in the NBA – they add a four-point line. He's not going to be shooting 15 four-pointers like someone maybe in 2050 when the game evolves. That's how I look at the three-point shot. Mm-hmm. He was taking two threes a game when he first came to the league. Like, three-point shots, teams total would take maybe 12 a season. People don't understand the difference in eras. Getting back to Jordan, again, I always go back to Jordan. His, they say he's not a good three-point shooter, but I'm saying like, not even grow up with a three-point line. In college, they had it his last year. It was looked at as a gimmick shot. It wasn't a, like a, quote-unquote, like, real basketball shot. It was a sideshow, like, ABA thing. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, what's kind of crazy, though, is um, now that you mentioned that, James Harden last year was averaging 13 threes attempt, attempted per game. Uh, that was, if you put him in, like, the mid-90s, he would be taking, on average, more threes per game than most teams were. Like, I yeah. believe he would have been, like, second. I think only the Nuggets attempted, like, 14. Yeah. And it's like, that's attempted. Right now, most team, the, the worst team in the league, I think, is averaging more made threes per game than that. So it's just really a difference in error. It's just mostly a difference in three-point attempts. I mean, when Larry Bird came in, three-point line was only there for, like, what, 10 years? And they still didn't really figure out, like, the value of it. But, um, I mean, letting Bird take even seven threes a game in today's league, that would be ridiculous. Yeah. See what I'm saying? And like he won three, th- he won three back to back three point shootouts. And it's like, do y'all really think he couldn't play today? Like, y'all really bugging out. Exactly. Now, what's the other thing that you wanted to, to, to ask me about? Talk about this off the podcast, but like the state of Twitter and the, the media with sports at low points at right now. Mm-hmm. Like, even like just go on Twitter. The thing I hate, I don't want to block people, but I sometimes I do block people. Like the Lamicky and the Jor fraud, those things are like, oh my god! Like, now how do you how are you a grown man and you watch a way to make an account? Dude, like I have some. I, I have to block people sometimes. Like, 
a dude literally posting like a picture of me when I was 15 years old, and like besides the picture, like Michael Jordan with like champagne on his mouth, like oh, is this this is you. Like, how, yeah, yeah, that's mad weird. I, I've his, seen that. His notification, too. he literally comes on there like seven seconds after. Like, how do how do you spend your life like revolving around a Twitter account you don't even know? Like, that just it's so weird to me. Like, and there's another thing that's like so weird. Like, right now I'm 21 years old. Like, when I. Mm-hmm. I love basketball growing up. I, my two favorite players got me into basketball. The legends was Magic and Bird. And then D-Wade, Rondo, and Kobe. Those are like my three guys like watching the NBA I love to watch. Like growing up, mm-hmm. I did not think it was weird to love the past NBA and like respect it. But like people view that as actually being weird. Like, oh, this, this guy is 21 years old. And he, he respects the past eras and he talks about them. Like I never found that weird, but – Apparently on Twitter, it's not apparently weird. It shows on Twitter, that people weird. do research. Yeah, I just yeah, don't it's understand. weird. No, I feel you. I feel you. When, whenever you like give respect to past errors, they'd be like, "Dude, you were like three when that happened," or "Dude, your your parents were in high school when that happened." It's like well, that's no excuse. Not we to have know. technology exactly. to watch. Like today, we had this access to technology to go ahead and research these things. So you're basically saying I'm dumb for researching it. Is that yeah, what it willfully, is? Like, willfully ignorant. That's what you choose not to learn it just because. Oh, I wasn't. Like, this is a terrible analogy, but like, it's like saying like, oh, I wasn't there for World War II, so like, oh, it doesn't happen, or I shouldn't know about. It. Like, yeah, you should definitely study stuff that happened in the past. Like, be a historian of the game. Like, learn the NBA. Yeah, I I, I agree a hundred percent. Um, but that being that, without out of the way though, that was definitely a fire episode. That was episode nineteen. Um, I definitely appreciate your time. It was definitely fire. Um, I'm sure you got a lot of people asking you to do a lot of things because you pretty you pretty much a big deal on the Burr app. Um, with that being said, though, we up out of here. Make sure you follow my boy NJ's Goat on Twitter, on Instagram. You probably already are. And uh, make sure you guys follow the show. Hit that subscribe button. And with that being said, we up out of here.